0: Ezra chapter 1. Boy, wasn't that song awesome? That was fantastic. Heard that one on the radio. I've never heard it in church, and I just loved how they did that. That was a really good message in that song. We're going to bounce between two passages tonight, Ezra 1 and Nehemiah 2. Thankfully, those books are right next to each other. So we we'll have to do a whole lot of turning, so if you want to stick a thumb or a pen or something in Nehemiah 2, and then we will begin in Ezra chapter 1. Um, anybody not have any idea who I am? That's always a great question, right? Do you know who I am? No, and we don't care. <laughs> um, hey, that's the same. Nice. Very nice. I don't know who did that. Well done, sir. Yes. Nicely done. That's the same slides background I used for the last. Yeah. All right. Um, I've, I've gotten the opportunity to preach here several times before uh, when Pastor Joe was going to be gone. And um, uh, I've, I've got I've to correct you because I hadn't told you yet. Uh, just about the, a month ago, we made a transition. Uh, I used to be the next gen director for the Nevada Baptist Convention. Um, basically got to work with um, youth and young adult ministry leaders all around the state of Nevada in the cooperating Southern Baptist churches just like this one here. Uh, we have around 215 around the state. Uh, just about a month ago, um, God made it very clear to us in the weeks leading up to that that he wanted us to transition back into full-time local church ministry. And so um, Pastor Joe Taylor asked me to come on staff at South Reno Baptist Church and uh, be pastor of worship and discipleship down there. So that's what I'm doing now. Um, But we're here. We're still here in Reno and uh, still have a heart for this state and for the people in our our area. Uh, So we are just fighting the battle along with you guys. So thank you for uh, your faithfulness and uh, grateful. Uh, One good thing is I I used to, of course, travel a lot with our work with the state convention, and we'd be in different churches almost every week or so. And um, there's not a whole lot of churches that I can go back and preach in anymore, because most of them meet on Sunday mornings. I can still preach here. <laughs> so that's awesome. That's really good news. But uh, just grateful that Pastor Joe uh, needed See, we both we have two Pastor Joe's here, don't we? I have Pastor Joe Taylor who is now my boss, and you guys obviously have Joe Salcino. So uh, we are going to, my wife uh, slipped out with the boys, uh, but my wife Holly was over here on my left. You'll see here, she's the most beautiful one in the room. it would be clear who she is. <laughs> Husbands, that's when you're supposed to say no, she's not. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, my two sons, Austin and, and Bo, are here. Um, Austin is four, Bo is two. They're growing up. You guys have seen them when they weren't those ages. But um, Ezra chapter 1, let's jump into verse 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Can you imagine a king or a president or a head of state making that kind of proclamation in today's world? Come a long way, haven't we? Not necessarily for the better. So let's get back in at verse 3. This is the challenge now after Cyrus says the Lord has given me this to do. He has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem and then he says whoever there is among you of all may his God be with him. Let him go up to the house of Jerusalem, let him go up to Jerusalem which is in Judah and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem let every survivor watch that word every survivor whatever place he may live let the men of that place support him with silver and gold with goods and cattle together with a free will offering for the house of god which is in jerusalem so what did they do what was the response all those about them. I'm sorry, verse 5. Then the heads of fathers' households of, Ju- of Judah and Benjamin, so the heads of the households, the priests, and the Levites arose, even everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up and rebuild the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And all those about them encouraged them. Can you imagine that? Somebody's doing something for God, and instead of other people, church people, other Christians telling them everything that's wrong about what they're doing and all the reasons why it's not going to work and trying to tear them down, Instead, rallying around someone who has a vision to do a work for God and encouraging them. That's what we see here. And they didn't just do it with word of mouth. They didn't just pat them on the back and give them a thumbs up and say, go get them. They encouraged them with articles of silver, with gold, with goods, with cattle, with valuables, aside from all that that was already given as a free will offering. Now, keep that passage in mind if you would, and go over to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2, let's begin in verse 1. It came about in the month of Nisan. In the 20th year, we're not going to get into the ancient calendars and what the month of Nisan is. Just roll past that. If you want to go Google it later, you can do that. For now, let's just dive in to the rest of the passage. In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, that the wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. In other words, he had not been sad and his His face was not downcast in times previous, but now it was. And so clearly the new, uh, I'm sorry, the king knew that something was wrong with this man. And let me give you an idea on who is talking here. This is Nehemiah. He was the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. The cupbearer was an incredibly prestigious and powerful position. Literally, the job of the cupbearer was to taste the cup before the king drank it. And so if someone was trying to poison him, they would poison the cupbearer instead. He would die first. Obviously, that had to be a very trusted person. And so Nehemiah was this person. He was also a devoted follower of the one true God. And so the king, realizing something is wrong with Nehemiah, and that's not the usual, he says to him, Why is your face sad, even though you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Well, that's true. It was. And then Nehemiah says, I was very much afraid, and I said to the king, let the king live forever. Standard preface to whatever you were about to say to the king, you had to kind of open with that. He says, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire? Then the king said to me, what would you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. He didn't just shoot from the hip. Didn't just say, ha, the king's given, here's my big chance. The king asked what I want. Instead, he instantly went to God in prayer. Said, God, give me wisdom here on how to communicate this need, this great need to my king. So I said to the king, verse five, we know that this is coming from God's wisdom given to Nehemiah. He says, if it please the king and if your servant myself has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs that I may rebuild it. Now, let's go down to verse Sixteen. The verses that we skipped over talk about how the king sends him on this mission. The issue here was the children of God, the people of God, the children of Israel had been in captivity. And their city, Jerusalem, capital of the kingdom of Judah, had been destroyed. The walls had been torn down. The temple had been torn down, and Nehemiah, upon impression from the Most High God, had arrived at the point where he said, this is enough. I cannot continue on in my position of power and influence over this non-Christian king. And my life continues to flourish and thrive and everything's okay. But in reality, I know that my homeland is destroyed. My people are without a place to worship their God. And so he said, enough is enough. Very similar to the situation that we found back in Ezra with King Cyrus and his challenge to God's people. And so Nehemiah goes back to Jerusalem. He looks, he sees, back in verse 11, he says, I came to Jerusalem, I was there three days. He looked around, he saw everything would have been broken down, consumed by fire. He saw the destruction that was still there. Nothing had been rebuilt after the conquering of Jerusalem. And so then in verse 16, the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. Nor had I as yet told the Jews, my people, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the rest, who did the work. In verse 17, then I said to them, you see the bad situation we are in. That Jerusalem is is desolate and its gates burned by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. On the screens it uses the word disgrace. Verse 18. Then Nehemiah told them how the hand of his God had been favorable to him. And he said, the king's words, which had been spoken to him, which was a huge breakthrough. You realize this was the conquering kingdom. They had no mandate that they had to go rebuild that city. There was no reason for that. God had done a work in this king's heart in allowing Nehemiah to go on this mission. And so he said, God has opened the door for us. And the response to them, then they said back to Nehemiah, let us arise and build. On the screens, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. They put their hands to this good work. Now, I want to tie these two passages together. Even though they're two different occurrences in history, as we read through the Old Testament, there's similarities here. One, God stirred up the heart of good King Cyrus. Two, God stirred up the heart of his man, Nehemiah. But in both places, the challenge went forth. Let us build up the place of God. Let us rebuild. Let us do this good work. And so back in Ezra chapter 1 and verse 3, I want us to notice a few highlights from these two passages that we read. First, anyone can build the house of God. Not just a pastor Not just the one in charge. Anyone can build it. Look in verse 3 of Ezra chapter 1. Cyrus challenged to the people of God. He said, whoever there is among you of all his people. Anyone. Man, woman, child. At any stage of life. Anyone can build the house of God. If we look at this place. We see a beautiful building. This place has gotten more beautiful over recent history. Every time I come here, there's something new and different about this place. I hadn't seen the little informational desk out here with the the new signage and all that. I love it. It looks awesome. You guys are doing an amazing job here. And this is a beautiful place, right? What if this building was taken away from you next week? Something happened, have no idea what, but all of a sudden you don't have this place to meet anymore. Would this church disappear overnight? Talk to me, y'all. Would this church disappear? Why? You lost your building. The church is you, and you know that. Many of you already know that. The church is not this place. Now you're trying to make this place look as nice as it can and so you should. God is certainly worthy of that as He's given you this place to meet. But y'all, the church is the other people sitting in this place. And so if we are building up the house of God, we are talking about adding more members into this body, more people into this body. Because we believe, one, what is being preached in this church. We believe in what is being sung in this church. And we believe that the mission of this church is in accordance with the mission given to the saints in the Word of God. And if you believe that what is happening is here, needs to be happening all around this city, then you will go out, and you will try to bring more into this place. And you will try to build up this house of God. And so this challenge that Cyrus was giving to these people is applicable to, as applicable to us today as he says, whoever there is among you, of all his people, and that's my challenge to you, whoever there is among you, I can't talk to every single person in here and expect you to go out and pour energy and pour time and pour emotion and effort and expense into building relationships with people and inviting them into this assembly and seeing God make a change in their heart and life. I can't expect that every single one of you is going to go out and do that, though I pray that that is the case. But my challenge is, whoever there is among you, let's move on. Verse 5 of Ezra 1. Everyone whose spirit God had stirred... On the screens, everyone whose heart God had moved. And so that's who I'm talking to tonight. If there is someone whose heart God has moved, if God has stirred your spirit, then let's rise up and build. Maybe there's a neighbor. I have a neighbor. I have about four who I've been working on. Neighbors are hard, right? Neighbors are really hard. They see you all the time. They see you when you're tired. <laughs> they see you when you broke your ankle. <laughs> they know the good, the bad, and the ugly about you, right? And if you live in a townhouse like I do, they know when you yell, and they know when you <laughs> they're know they right there on the other side of the wall yet neighbors are hard but y'all this is a worthy work this is a good work God has called us to this work so maybe there's a neighbor that you have that you've got to go start praying for I'm not saying you gotta go and talk to them one time and they fall down on their knees and cry out to be forgiven now if that happens awesome and come tell everybody about it because that's incredible But what you can do is pray for them. What I can do is pray for my neighbors and ask God for opportunities to invite them to this place, to share the gospel of Jesus with them, to start inserting God into our conversations because there is only one thing different about you and anybody else in this city, and that is the Holy Spirit of Jesus. And if you have been forgiven If you have recognized, I'm not talking about if you've been coming to church, not talking about if you consider yourself a religious person, has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. So don't even confuse that with me right now. What I'm talking about is very simple. If there has been a moment in your life that you clearly remember, however, at what stage of life it is, however old you were, but if there has been a moment in your life when you knew that you were imperfect, you had done wrong, you had broken God's laws, And you said, yes, I have sinned, I am a sinner, and I need forgiveness. And I recognize that Jesus is the only one who can forgive me and the only one who will forgive me. And because of Jesus' death on the cross, at which moment the blood poured out of him, and he says he will take that blood and he will cleanse all of our sins, all of our wrongdoing, the past, the present, and the future. Give us a clean slate for all of eternity, and he'll welcome us into his family and make us his own children. And so if you recognize that offer from Jesus Christ, from God the Father, and you said, I need to be forgiven, and you asked Jesus through prayer and said, please forgive me, I am a sinner, and I accept your salvation then you are considered, according to the Word of God, a child of God. You are forgiven for all time. And so if I'm talking to you who have been forgiven, and if you say, I'm not one of those, I'm not asking you to slip your hand up right now. Maybe later I will. We'll see. (laughs) But please don't leave this place without talking to me, talking to someone here. Many, many people here would love to take the Word of God, the Bible itself, and show you exactly how God promises forgiveness of sins to all of us. So don't leave here without settling that today. But for those who know that you stand forgiven, you are God's child, I ask, I plead with you to listen to the Holy Spirit of God because He will present opportunities for you to share that wonderful news with other people. And for you to invite people into this place, this assembly, this gathering, where they can hear that good news presented every week. Where they can be encouraged by others who identify as Christians, as children of God. And so whoever there is among you, whose heart God has moved, let's rise up and build. One final thought from Ezra. Each place must rally together to help. Let's break it down like this. Each individual, each family, each entity within this church must rally together to help build. We find this in verse 4. It says, Every survivor, at whatever place he may live, Let the men of that place support him with silver and gold. So let's try to make an application here. There may be certain people in this church, and maybe you know who they are, maybe you're thinking of them right now, who just seem really sold out for the mission of God people who are always going to be here every time anything's going on, people who are going to jump in and get involved, they're going to volunteer, they're going to serve, they're going to do whatever they can, they're bringing new people in, they're bringing visitors, they're really committed to this. What God is saying here is, support those people. And then everyone must rally together. Be inspired by those people. Be motivated by those people. My dad is a master, um, how do you say, the sharer of the gospel. We used to have a term, we called it soul winning. Soul winning. Because you're going out and trying to win people so God can save their souls. Now we can't do any soul winning on our own. (laughs) Only Jesus can win their hearts and their souls over uh, to his truth. But he uses us as vessels to go communicate that truth with people. And my dad was excellent at that. He had committed his life to it. And you know something he told me? He said, never go out and share the gospel of Jesus alone if you can help it. Bring someone with you. Because if you are going to tell somebody about Jesus, someone else needs to watch you do that. They might love what happens. They might get excited by that. They might get inspired by that. And then God starts to work on their heart and their, their, their desires. And all of a sudden, they want to go share Jesus with somebody else. And then they can bring somebody with them. And then they can bring somebody with them. And all of a sudden, we become a church of people who share the good news of Jesus with others. And that's how we build the church of God. Now let's go over to Nehemiah chapter 2 and we'll be finished. Nehemiah 2. And let's focus down on verse 18. So we've already jumped past the part where Nehemiah has gone to the king. He's allowed him to go see Jerusalem. And now he is back and he's casting the vision for rebuilding Jerusalem to the Jewish leaders. And he says, I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me and about the king's words, which he had spoken to me. And then they said, let us arise and build. He didn't even have to suggest it. He just presented the opportunity. And then these leaders said, they caught the vision. Said, well then let's go build. Let's do it. This is our chance. See, these people had been desperate for their homeland to be rebuilt. They had been desperate for a place to go worship their God. It was real to them. It was a desire for them. And I'm telling you that if as the church of God we became desperate for more people to hear the good news of Jesus then these chairs would be filled. If the urgency came into my heart and to your heart like it did these men we wouldn't have a problem filling this place. You'd be trying to figure out how to fit everybody in here. We wouldn't have a problem getting enough people up on the stage or having classes or leaders or anything like that. People would be, you'd have too many. We wouldn't be able to use everyone. You'd have too many coming forward. But there is an apathy in the church of God today. I'm not picking on this church. Trust me, I'm picking on all two churches in Nevada, including my own. Picking on myself. But as modern day 21st century Christians, we so easily lack the urgency that this is a life or death truth. This is a heaven or hell truth that we carry with us everywhere we go every day. And we encounter people who will walk around this earth and they may cross our path for a moment or they may cross our path for a number of months or years or whatever our relationship is with these people that we see around us every day and then someday they will burn in hell forever for their sins. Let it not be because a child of God failed to share the good news of Jesus with them when we had the chance. There is an urgency here. So my challenge to you, my challenge to myself and my church is to rise up and build. Sense the urgency. And let's build the house of God together. Don't forget that God has been good and gracious. God has been favorable to us. God has been so good to us. And I love that Nehemiah opened his challenge with that. He said, God has been favorable to me. God has been so good. He has given us this beautiful place to meet where people can come and sit in comfortable chairs with air conditioning and they can look at screens and hear beautiful music. And It's so easy now. <laughs> I, I used to be a missionary down in Central America and I've traveled in over 20 countries around the world and um, done mission work and seen places where it's not easy. They're meeting in really rough places and don't have all the conveniences we have maybe that's part of our problem I don't know but this is the these are the opportunities God has given us he has been favorable to us he has been good and gracious to us and so we must strengthen our hands in verse 18 it says they put their hands to this good work over here it says they began this good work I love the old King James translation it says it says Um, they strengthened their hands for this good work. What can you do to strengthen your hands so God can use you to help build the house of God, this place? You understand what I'm asking? What can you do to put yourself in a position where God can use you? Maybe you need to memorize some scripture that you can share with someone. Maybe you'll encounter someone at work or someone in a conversation that's hurting. Maybe they'll have a death in the family. Maybe they need peace from God. Maybe there's some scripture you can commit to memory that you can share with someone, not because you're always carrying a Bible around with you, but because you have hidden God's word in your heart and then the Holy Spirit of God will bring that back to mind and say, share this peace, share this truth with this person in this moment. This will offer an opportunity for them to encounter me, for them to meet me and their life to be changed. What can you do to strengthen your hands? Maybe you need to recommit to prayer. Maybe you've grown lax in your prayer life. Maybe there's times throughout the day where you'll go hours or even days or weeks at a time without intentionally going to God and meeting with Him in prayer. What is it? I don't know what it is for you, but would you purpose in your heart that that you will go to God and say, God, strengthen me so I can build my church. Strengthen me so I can take ownership of this place. Finally, it's a good and worthy work. The last of verse 18, they put their hands to this good work. It says they begin this good work. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil or your labor or your work is not in vain in the Lord. This work is not in vain. This work, you will not pour yourself into something and then come up with egg on your face. You will not put your energy and your time and your expenses and your emotions into building up this house of God and then come to the end and say, well, that was all in vain. Nothing is ever in vain in the Lord. Now, something is in vain in Sam Bonnell's effort. I guarantee you that. Something is in vain if it's done in your effort for your goals and your agendas. I guarantee you that. But nothing is ever in vain in the Lord. This is a good and worthy work. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would Purpose, allow us to purpose in our own heart, God. Reveal to us exactly what it is that you would have us to do to build up this church, Lord. Show me how to build up my church. Show this faithful body of people how to build up this church. God, I love seeing the people gathered here every time I'm allowed to come. I love seeing the improvements they've made to this building every time I'm here. But God, I know you want so much more. I know you have such a greater vision than Pastor Joe or anyone else has for this place. Let that come to reality, using the people of this place. God, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you as Savior, let them not leave here tonight without encountering you for the first time. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, can I ask you, there's anyone here tonight, as I said, who doesn't know for sure because you don't remember a moment in your life when you actually confessed your sins, past, present, and future to Jesus and asked him for forgiveness. I'm not talking about going to God and saying, oh, please forgive me. I did wrong. I'm talking about understanding that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and he has the ability to wash your heart clean for all of eternity. And if there was a moment when you recognized that, and you asked Him to do that for you and make you His child forever. You say, I can't remember a time when I did that. Would you slip your hand up? I just want to pray for you. All around the room, can you slip your hand up? Say, I don't remember the moment when I became a child of God. And you can put your hands down. For those who I'm going to assume stand forgiven before God and You've testified that you are His children. How many of you would be able to say with your heads bowed, how many of you would be able to say, there's a way that I can strengthen my hands to build up this church. There's a way that I can ask God to help me. Maybe it's being more faithful in going into the Word of God. Maybe it's being more faithful in prayer. Maybe it's being more faithful attending this church or being involved, getting... Finding a place to serve. Maybe it's more being more faithful, sharing Jesus with others. Can you think of a way right now that you say, God, I'm going to ask God for help in this way that I can be a part of building up this church. Would you slip your hand up? Thank you. Thank you. You Put your hands down. How many of you would say, I want to be a Nehemiah. Or I want to be a Cyrus. I want to be a leader. I want to stand up and say, I want to challenge others. I want to stand up and say, let's rise up and build. And of course, this won't be everybody. But how many of you would say, I feel God moving in my heart and I want to talk to Pastor Joe. I want to talk with the leadership and I want to find out what way I can stand up and help lead this rebuilding of this place. So these chairs are filled. So people are being saved. People are being baptized. And I want to be a key part of it. Would you slip your hand up and say, God's working on my heart? And put your hands down. God, you've seen the hands. More importantly, you know the hearts. I pray that you would reveal to each of us the next step whether someone in here doesn't know you as Savior and they need to confess their sins to you for all of eternity and accept your forgiveness and become your child. Or somebody here needs to commit themselves to more faithfully pray, be in the Word of God, share your name with others, whatever it is, Lord. If there's someone here who wants to step into a leadership role and say, I'm going to commit to this. This is going to become a massive part of who I am. I want to see God's work done through this body of believers. Whatever it is, Lord, please show us what the next step is. Please show each heart here how much you love us, how good you've been to us, and how you've given us a value, a purpose, and a mission to accomplish on this earth. Give us the strength and the courage to go forward in your name, armed with your truth, your grace, your forgiveness. We'll thank you for it and we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Great to see you again.